Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Tom coming to you from the D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. And of course, the Steelers beat the Ravens. And of course, they now sit atop the AFC North. What have you seen this season so far that would have told you otherwise? I don't know how anybody could be surprised by this. We are in an exquisite torture chamber designed by the football gods to just relive the same season over and over again. I, I think that I call last week. I was like, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers won this 14 to 13 because of these exact reasons. We almost got it on the dot. I'm not even patting myself on the back because I was not the only person who said that it's kind of fun seeing the national consciousness catch up to where the Mike Tomlin Steelers are right now. But I had so many thoughts after the game of, how it's so difficult to process the emotions that one. So I wrote them down in a list format here. And this is the Jekyll Hyde of, I think, probably every Steelers fan's brain and probably every Steelers brain as well after the game. Okay, so number one, beating the Ravens equals good. It's always good. We can celebrate that now. They're bad. We're good. They shouldn't have anything good. If we can put more losses on their record, we would like to do that. Steelers are, what, 6-1 and one against the Ravens in their last seven. This is the second consecutive game that Kenny Pickett has actually finished without getting his skull bounced off the turf like a basketball against the Ravens where he's ripped their hearts out on the last drive. That's awesome. But it leads me to number two. Outside of the phenomenal final drive of the game, the Steelers are not an inch better as a team over the first four games, they are identically the same team. Not only did they not break the longstanding offense, can't even get to 400, uh, 400 yards in a game record, which dad, I don't know how much that shocks you that they weren't able to get to 400. I don't believe they were able to get to 300 in this game against the Ravens. We're going to do the same podcast every week. If we go into detail about that, we don't need to, it's just, just know that it's the same. They just threw, They got a couple more opportunities with Pickens deep and that's what changed it. Right. So you can't feel that great about the win because every week that continues, you know, we're just in purgatory. I don't think, I think the team played more physical thanks to the pad of practices where I actually don't think that they tackled, but you know, just having the pads on makes you feel more like a man. So you act more like a man when it comes time for game time, but there's no virtually no change in the team. Like, Oh, TJ and Highsmith were good. Like, Yes, as they have been and will continue to be. We know that. So let's go to number three. Number three, and I throw this in just as a sort of caveat. 
in the moment. You got to feel great for the human beings on the Steelers, for the guys who are actually in the building and for Kenny. And I actually do think that it's a good thing that the Steelers are winning and having some growing moments because to me, Canada's good is gone after this season ends. His contract's up. This is kind of Steelers 101. And then the real search begins. Who are they going to replace him with? Mark Caballi re- reported that they stiff-armed Byron Leftwich. Thank God a couple times this past week as this picture is being painted of Byron, you know, on whatever team he's coaching for. He's not coaching for a team. Nobody will hire him. He's a horrifically bad play caller. He's as bad as Matt Canada. He'll be the worst thing that the Steelers could do after Matt Canada, and it'll be the exact thing I would expect them to do. But this picture is being painted of Byron Leftwich calling the Steelers, and Cabali said they, they are ignoring him, quote-unquote. But so once Canada's gone, then we go from there. But, Dad, we've talked over the past two years about how valuable is it for the Steelers to lose more games and get a higher pick because, just frankly, the Bengals are the Bengals – because they lost enough games to get Joe Burrow, yada, yada, yada. But you and I often come to the agreement that when it comes to the Steelers having a pretty young roster and then some veteran guys who could demand a trade if, you know, the team just sucks, we do think it's actually valuable for the Steelers to win to develop those guys team-wise and individual play-wise. So I do think that there are some positives there. And so you got to feel good for the human beings and the Steelers, even if the giant fear dad is great. Their first place in the AFC North. Tomlin can be completely justified in his insanity. And this is worse. Nothing's ever going to change. I, I don't find that to be super realistic. Do you? Because we've talked about it as well. It's like Tomlin's getting punished by the fan base, justifiably, for the mistake he already made of keeping Canada, of not bringing in more offensive assistance. There's not much you can do right now in the season besides call Byron Leftwich, who's Possibly worse than that, Canada. So how much stock do you put into the idea of, great, this type of performance is going to justify to Mike Tomlin and the Roonies that, look, the process is working. Because I frankly think you can look at their drive charts, and I believe it was punt, 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 interception, punt, punt, punt. Like, I know that they're looking at this, and I, I just don't think – Right now is the time when they can really make the changes. Does it worry you at, at all, like on an intellectual level, not on, hey, we don't want to sell, we don't want to be mad about wins, but do you think it makes a difference at all that they won or the fact that they lost or they won ugly is like whatever? I don't think it makes any difference. I think we need to give Tomlin credit. I mean, he's seeing what we see and a lot more. And there's just, there is some reason that this, if this was a one time thing, I would ignore it. But this is a career-long trend of hanging in there with guys. And that's and I don't know whether that's a that's true, but it seems like a tragic flaw that they're not businesslike. And maybe it's because the Rooney way is to hang in there with guys. And I agree with you. And the reason why I have some faith and trepidation that they will change their ways in general after this season, because I think that that's what this whole game shows us. Number one, hilarious. Ravens, you suck. You're so bad. You had first place right there, but you had to play daddy. And what did daddy do? He, he spanked you right on the buttocks. Said, get on out of here, boy. Go play with some rocks. Little Johnny Harbaugh calling, go for it, you know, going for it on, on fourth and one, yada, yada, yada. Uh, of course, also when you watch the game, 
the Ravens gave the game away. The Ravens should have been up by 30 points. And that's not me being a jaded Steelers fan. That's looking at three or four dropped touchdowns with either the receiver with his feet in the end zone already with nobody touching him or with nobody in front of him. Like these are bad dropped touchdown passes. And there were a number of them. Uh, you could say, oh, people drop passes in, in every game. This was an outlier, right? We can admit that was insane. Uh, the miscommunication on the Ravens fourth down play where they could have just kicked a field goal. Yeah. So self-inflicted. But again, we don't, we do not care. We do not care. Because we know what this is. This wasn't the Steelers taking a massive step forward. Although I will get later in the list here to some things that truly may be a slight step forward. We know the Steelers are what they are. Uh, when it comes to this. But the reason why I think that they can move forward is because at one point, I believe in the third third quarter, the Steelers had more fire Canada chance than they had points. And I think this fan base is officially turned. I don't think that they're going to be satiated by, oh, we're first place in the AFC North if the Steelers come out after their bye week and suck on offense. For all the time he stuck with Butler or for with Antoine Blake, there were never cut Antoine Blake chance in the stands. You know, I do think that this has reached a whole new level. And I also think the fact that this has been going on for years, there's no more uh, excuse of, oh, we still have Pouncey and Ramon and it's the end of Ben and Canada can't do what we want. The further the Steelers go past all of those tent pole moments, the less of an excuse they have because the sample size of being crap out of a dog's butt is so large that it could uh, it's kind of undeniable. How many of the players that started on offense came in since Canada's been here? Actually, who has who was here prior to him? Prior. That's a great question. I mean, I'm just no. going through the offensive Deontay. line. Just Deontay, right? I can I can just tell you right off the top of my head. I think it's Deontay Johnson, maybe Chooks. Yeah, so exactly. There's no excuse at this point. And so that's helpful. So getting back to sort of the list here, I do think that'll change after the season, and I do think it's valuable that we figure out some things in season. Now, I'll take a pause here to address something that's been going around on Twitter. And my thoughts being like, yeah, you're locked in. You're not going to hire another offensive coordinator midseason. But I do think in the bye week, you can bring human beings in. And I swear it can be Ben Roethlisberger. It can be other guys like that. It's such a joke in the past years when people have said, just let Ben call the plays. He's an NFL quarterback. They can't also be the coordinator, right? But there is a level of this is Baby, a baby, bring in a baby. A baby could tell you, hey, throw a damn crosser to George Pickens. This is insane. You know what I saw last night, Dad? And I know we don't want to compare to Kyle Shanahan. That's not fair. You're talking about one of the greatest play callers in the history of the game. That's like saying, well, if Kenny isn't Ben, then he sucks. Or if Kenny isn't Mahomes, I guess he should retire. Then, you know, then Peyton should have retired at, at any point, right? But I saw Kyle Shanahan last night, run a double, triple, lateral, long bomb, double reverse play for a touchdown on George Kittle. That was the identical play that the Detroit Lions ran five hours earlier in the day for a touchdown. So he put that play in, in five hours. It was the identical play. It wasn't like, oh, those look similar. Nope, it was the same play. So yes, you can Add plays, not just in the middle of the season. Hell, you can even add them in the middle of the day. It's not rocket science. Ben drew one up in regards to the dumb fourth and one call they ran last 
week. He said, hey, we run this with Eli, with AB, with anybody. You run a, a shallower mid-cross, and you run a deep post over top of it, and you have someone flare out to the side. Like, these are just, it's not, every play doesn't have to be rocket science. There's just plays that they're not making use of. So while we can't change the whole coordinator, you can definitely make a few tweaks that'll improve this offense namely running George Pickens into positions where he can catch and run with the ball. I love those kind of trickery plays as much as the next guy, maybe even more. We used to call that Tommy ball. I'm just thinking about something you've said the last few games, as far as an offensive coordinator needs to counter what he sees on the defense, right? It's more sophisticated than putting in a gadget play. I mean, cool. I would do, I would do exactly what you're doing a surprise play like that. So I'm not criticizing that. I'm just noting, though, what you're looking for in an offensive player is somebody who has the sophistication to not just come up with creative plays, but to counter what he's seeing on the other side of the line. Totally. And what we have to accept is that's not going to come this year. That's That ship has sailed. But there's still meat on the bone for just basic play calling that can realistically be added this year. So, And even when I'm talking – I was giving the example of a trick play – you don't have to add a trick play. You can just add like, how did, how did they get the Baltimore Tavis across the middle of the field? Let's go start study some of that film. It doesn't have to be a double lateral, but I'm just giving an example of how somebody took a brand new play that they've never run and just run it that night because it's freaking football players. Like Kittle, this is going to blow your mind. You ready? I think so, coach. You're going to run a crosser. Okay. Let's go play, boys. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. And to, to illustrate your um, point about what I've been saying in terms of a great offensive coordinator knows how to attack a defense by manipulating their rules, I forgot the highlight that I was seeing of this. It, it might have it been the Texans again. But basically, uh, a team – actually, it was the Niners, and I think it was Kittle with one of his three touchdowns. They had three receivers to the right of the formation. The, the Niners or someone are at the 10-yard line, about to go in and score. They get Kittle or McCaffrey or someone. He motions up to the line of scrimmage, and he motions over to the right even farther. So you got four receivers on the right side of the formation, and he just moves from kind of where the tackle is to almost the slot. And a linebacker follows him. He side shuffles, he side shuffles. And I don't remember who I saw break this play down, but they basically explain it. Hey, Now at this point, since this receiver has changed his alignment, he has now become the linebacker's responsibility to cover him. Because the linebacker, hey, if he's in near the tight end, I can pass him off to XYZ. But if he's over here and there's already two other receivers, now I'm the last line of defense, so I got to call him. And then they got, you know, their guy matched up on a linebacker, easy touchdown. That's what manipulating a defense is. And we're going to put them into this formation because we know that these are their rules and we can get Vince Williams matched up with Keenan Allen 10 times a game. You remember how much that used to happen against the Chargers? It's a thing of beauty. So we're not going to get that now, but there is a lot that can be done to improve the offense. But I'm going to bookmark that to get back to the list here, which I realize I kind of combined two points. So I just have to translate some of the numbers in my head. We already know what the Steelers are. They have not changed. Over the four games, I've truly seen nothing. But we know that number six, as I said, the defensive front 
led by Alex Highsmith, who had an NFL high for the season, 11 quarterback pressures. I guess it's only his second sack of the year, which is his second sack fumble, basically alley-oop, slingshot, shake and bake, giving the ball to TJ over here. Why? Boom. Killed it. TJ and Highsmith are unbelievable. The defensive front is great. Should be getting Cam back at some point. They create havoc and splash plays. And then number five, I think that was supposed to be number four. This will be number five. While the defensive front is great, the secondary is arguably the worst in the league. And all they have is Minka trying to play savior, and he's being forced to be play out of, played out of position. He's a phenomenal deep safety. I'm not saying he's Ed Reed, but he's in that world. Like, you just let that guy chill in center field, and he is going to take the ball away. But he's getting the Troy Polamalu treatment at the end of his career where Troy had to play linebacker, basically. So Minka's got to be all over the field. So he's covering up for stuff. But not only do you have terrible corners and Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson who are officially, officially cooked, but you've also sort of lost a star safety in the process because you don't get to have Minka back there making plays. So like I said, the offense can't move. I'm not going to, you know, bore everyone's ears off by, by pointing it out again, what Canada does wrong. The plays are all individual routes. There are certain ones where Kenny rolls out and there's a guy running an out at five yards. And if he's not open, well, now I, I'm not in position to throw anybody, yada, yada, yada. But also we know that the defensive front is freaking awesome. And the defensive backfield is a major question mark. But that leads to Joey Porter Jr. Joey Porter Jr. Great interception in the end zone. I know Lamar threw it right to him, but how many Steelers besides Joe Hayden have we seen who actually will catch that ball? It's a nice job by Joey Porter Jr. And hopefully after the bye, he becomes a full-time starter. And I'm not saying he's going to be a savior and he could definitely get exposed the more he plays. Although I think all of us have been extremely pleasantly surprised at how he's played even since the preseason. But the point is this season, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. You're stuck with Canada. You only have so much of a ceiling. We need to see what we have in the young guys. And so I believe, um, why am I just blanking on his name? Broderick Jones played a lot. He played well. We need Broderick in there. Keanu Benton's snaps went up. They're still relatively low. He's only at like 30 compared to Montrevious Adams around 50 or 60. You need, you know, Benton to play more and you need Joey Porter Jr. to play more. You need them to get reps. So there's some positive stuff there. I can just keep hammering on down the list here, but I'm no longer going to number them because I'm looking at my notes app and it's just, it's an absolute disaster. So why don't we just move on to Kenny? Kenny is broken. He's probably the worst quarterback in the league over the first four games. He has the worst situation. It's, it's, absolutely idiotic that the Steelers drafted a an unpolished quarterback who played street ball in, in college. Everything is scramble out of the pocket, make a throw, scramble out of the pocket, make a throw. Well, he doesn't have Kyler Murray speed. So we know that that's not going to translate to the NFL. So let's get some people to help him develop into a pocket passer. Okay, great. Who do you have to do that? Well, uh, <clears throat> we have an offensive coordinator who never stayed for more than one year at any college, never had any success at any level of football ever. That's got to be an exaggeration. It's not. That's accurate. That's who we're going to entrust the development of the raw quarterback to. I get it if it's Andrew Luck coming out, some polished guy, but you know they put Kenny in a bad position. 
now that we've said that, we can also mention Kenny. He's pee-pee pants. Kenny pees his pants. He's been peeing his pants all season. He didn't do it this badly last year. He freaks out. He sacks himself. He goes, I'm passing it to him. And then he throws it 10 yards over the guy's head. He misses a wide-open touchdown pass every week. Last week, it was Connor Hayward. This week, he underthrew George Pickens, who had Arthur Millette, former Steeler, beat by three steps in the end zone. Like, that is a, that is a slam dunk NFL throw. You got to throw it over him to the 6'10 receiver that you have who catches everything, throws it three yards short. So he's outside of Matt Canada. He's playing bad. It's like you're just staring right at the guy. You throw it to him, and it doesn't go to him. That's bad. And that's what it's been the whole season until the last drive when, once again, the guy is the greatest fourth-quarter comeback quarterback we've ever seen, and he looks directly like the heir to Ben Roethlisberger. And when it comes to the fourth-quarter drives, he doesn't do the happy feet. I mean, on the, on the third and nine, so it's first down, second down, Matt Canada sets up third and nine for the Steelers on the game-winning drive. Great. Third and nine, Mason Cole completely whiffs on his block. Guy comes through the front. Two guys come through the side. Generally, Kenny is going to scramble out of that. And, and unfortunately, 2023, Kenny actually just scrambles right into it. So, ah! And he just runs right into the guy, sacks himself. This time, he just stays with his feet planted and fires a 200-mile-per-hour missile to Allen Robinson on sort of like a stick route, first down, boom. Next play, stays right in the pocket, does not move, absolute dime on a back shoulder to George Pickens over the left side, and then we've all seen the awesome Randy, Randy, Randy audible call when the Ravens inexplicably call zero blitz and leave George Pickens one-on-one, and nobody's going to cover the guy one-on-one. It's never going to happen. Absolutely dusts Marlon Humphrey, and Kenny, if you've noticed this too, Dad, when he throws those bombs, if the guy's open, he does not miss those. And the, he is hitting them in stride, perfect spiral, so they can score very – I'm not saying it's Ben Roethlisberger, but that was a Ben thing. It's like if he's throwing the go, it's gonna, you're going to catch it in stride and you're going to score. Trubisky, you know, he'll get it to you and you'll gain 40 yards and he won't score and then we'll kick a field goal. But Kenny looked unbelievable on the final drive, and I think that that's something to be extremely encouraged about because last year – the Steelers went into their bye and came out truly a different team. Night and day. Started running for 150 yards per game. Kenny had the game-winning drives, yada, yada, yada. I don't think that they're going to come out and be unbelievable, but I do legitimately think that Kenny this year has shown horrible weaknesses that he, he hadn't really displayed yet in his career. So to me, that sort of shows it was mental. And you have to feel so good going into the bye week, get your knee healthy. You just had a very public, very awesome game-winning drive. I mean, it's not like he's handing it off. He's just bombing his way down the field. Another picket to Pickens to beat the Ravens, to put you in first place. His confidence has to be sky high. So I think that that was a huge um, boost. And I'm really glad that they have a bye week after. I think the Steelers have a chance to settle down. And then, oh, yeah, they get Deontay Johnson back. So I think that the ceiling for this offense is permanent. But I think that there's also a tremendous amount of meat being left on the bone where there is a chance that, Hey, if Kenny stops peeing his pants, if they design just a few more routes for George Pickens, just like we saw in the preseason, please let him run with the ball. And then you have Deontay Johnson taking attention off of George Pickens. The Steelers offense should be better than what they are. Now that only gets you like eight points a game, but I digress.
Did you know that Kenny's a third of his games are resulted in him with fourth quarter winning drives? A third it's, of his games. Look, he has it's it's a small sample size, so we can't say it's official official yet. But every game he does this, it becomes more official. You can't deny it. And like I said, it's funny how he plays on those drives. He just plays better. It's not like, oh, well, they made it into the end zone. No, he just makes these crazy throws that he never even attempts. I think the last year against the Ravens, he had the wild bullet into the middle of the field and between three guys, like on the post route. He's, he just stops thinking as much, which is funny because we've had four years of this with Ben, Kenny, and whoever, where it's like the only time they play well is on the last drives of the game when they're like aggressively attacking down the field. And then we come into the next week and we're like, don't do that. Take that away. But yeah, he's, he's clutch. So that's huge for his confidence. I think that's massive. Since we're talking about offense, one of the big stories for me was running back. So did you take a look at the stats between Warren and Harris? So Warren had 40 yards on nine carries and Najee Harris had 37 yards on 14 carries. It's like a two and a half yard average. With the same offensive line, with the same offensive coordinator, what do you think is going on there? Look, Najee is not a space player. I think that I'm glad to see a few of the Steelers' minds on Twitter agree. You can like both players. Najee is really good. Is Jalen Warren just simply a better player? Maybe, but Najee is a valuable guy. And if you watch the replays or watch any of the tape, the guy is, he's being swallowed alive every time he touches the ball, but he's pushing the pile forward. So if you can just get a league average offensive line, I mean, they've been so disappointing. The guy is still going to have a lot of value. Now, we said before the season started, especially after that preseason, hey, this is a two-back team. Like Jalen Warren is a starter as well. And it was his day against the Ravens. I mean, making unbelievable plays in space. Obviously, he's four times as fast as Najee. I'm not saying that he shouldn't start over over Najee, but I don't think that he's a useless back, right? I'm, I'm trying to think of another player comparison here. I can't really totally do it, but there is still a world where if you can get your crap together, you can use Najee as a power Tennessee Titans style runner and split the carries and split the touches with Jalen Warren. And it's not like this guy, one guy's a bum and this one guy's really good. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say because I'm not trying to. Uh, I guess I instantly go in this defense of not of Najee, even though I like everyone else. Oh, I love Warren. Warren could definitely be the the starting running back. I just hope that they figure out how to use both guys because they're really good players. But Jalen Warren, man, I mean, he can he can pop. I just he's like a Maurice Jones Drew to be that small, that thick, that fast, and then he jumped over a man. I've never seen him do that. He jumped over a guy and hit a spin move when he landed on the ground. Now I have seen Najee do the same thing. So that's what I'm saying. Like there's so much meat left on the bone, but they got the ball out to Jalen Warren in space. And he's much better in those situations. Obviously it's not even close. Well, it's nice to have both those guys. They had the same number of yards running, albeit uh, <laughs> Najee's average was much less. Yeah. And then, so I, I mean, that pretty much covers the offense, right? Like, I guess the last thing I'll say about George Pickens is, I, I posed this question to some PFF guys on Twitter and they didn't get back to me, but I just always see this idea perpetuated on Twitter that, that George Pickens is only good at one thing, the contested catches. 
but he's so incredibly good at that one thing that it makes him a good player. And I do think like Mike Wallace would be that example. Like, dude, that guy could just run straight. And since he, when he played with Ben, like this guy could be a hall of famer. Like, well, he doesn't run all these extra routes. He did not need to. They, they got a deep ball whenever they wanted it. And then they just add the little screen and the comeback thing to Mike Wallace's game where it made him super dangerous. And I, so I can see where you call a player one dimensional and say, he's actually still a good player, but I do disagree with that assessment of George Pickens because obviously he's got the best ball skills in the league. He's the best jump ball guy. He's in like historic territory for that. He catches everything. He's and that sort of also includes, he's a great tracker of the ball, yada, yada. But man, we have seen virtually every time he's gotten the ball in space over this preseason and this year, which is like four or five times, he's running for a 50-yard touchdown or he's getting five or six extra yards. There are some guys who are just better and more elusive when the ball's in their hand. Now, A.B., you're talking about maybe the best receiver ever. He's always elusive. You can't cover him. Then he gets the ball in his hands. You can't tackle him. But Pickens, something about when he, he's not going to run all these crazy routes. I mean, he's 6'4". But when he gets the ball, he's got this Gumby thing where he can just slip and slide and get around people and he runs violent. And so I disagree that he's a one-trick pony. I think that there is, once again, a lot of meat left on the bone if you can get the ball to the guy running across the field. If you look at his route tree, basically nothing to the inside. They got one. The one time they try it, they hit it, just like in the preseason. So that's the one thing I'll say about Pickens. And then defensively, Yes, those investments in the middle linebackers were were nice. And uh, I, I'm already hopping to the other side of the ball there before you wanted to say something about Pickens. What were you going to add there? No, one of my dumb facts that uh, don't matter, but, you know, the Steelers receivers own the two longest pass receptions of the year. Calvin Austin with Do they really? 72 and Pickens with 71. Yeah. In the NFL? Yeah. Wow. We need Juju back to get that 97. He was the, like the 98, 97-yard specialist. Yeah, it feels insufficient, reason, but- doesn't it? Yeah, it's not very good. No, that look at that. And by the way, both throws by Kenny Pickett, perfect. It just shows like, man, he has more talent than, than it looks sometimes. Those were balls that were launched, perfect spiral, didn't have to break stride. And this can happen. We never see this with Mitch or with Rudolph, who I think is better than Mitch. And like, so there, there is more there to be had. And then defensively, we talked about it already. I mean, you got... Uh, John Ledyard put out a great podcast talking about how a lot of uh, his new podcast is called Yin's No Ball, with I think Brad Stevens is on there. And they talked about how, hey, the defensive front is doing some good things. It's actually the cornerbacks that are killing the Steelers, obviously in coverage, but the unfortunate part is they don't want to tackle either. And they got benched. They got, I mean, both of them got benched in the base at one point, and you put Joey Porter Jr. out there. So, that's awesome. It, it is at the point with Joey where it's like, hey, it can't get worse than the starter. So let's just get this guy on the field and let's let's throw him into the fire. Um, I think that's a little delicate with corner because corner is probably aside from quarterback, the biggest. Oh, crap. You could crush his confidence. I I think he's in a good place to go in there now, especially after the bye. So defense is what it is. And here's what I'll leave us with my sort of closing thoughts, which could have been opening thoughts. A soliloquy. The Steelers is the Steelers. We know that they will win games like this. We also know that they're consistently going to lose as road favorites. We know what kind of games they'll win. We know what kind of games that they'll lose. Some of this is just their DNA. If they can figure out 
how to modernize their play calling for next year. That's when they'll return to rev like relevance. If they don't do that, they're going to be 500. And the way that they've looked this year through four games, another three and two, it does not look like they can win many more games going under 300 yards on offense. Right. But even before we get to the hopeful offensive revolution of the 2023 off season, even before we get there, I think we pointed out a lot of areas on this pod today where there's so much meat being left on the bone, even for this crappy version of the offense. So (laughs) I don't know. We're scoring like eight points a game right now. Right. So uh, we wanted at least 20 in the preseason. Right. I think by the end of the year, if the Steelers stay healthy, it's not insane to ask for that. So, uh, but, but it's all in pursuit of building for next year to me. Because if they play the 49ers again, I mean, we saw it. It's a different sport. Do you want a little context on scoring? Yeah. We're actually ahead of last year. 79 points so far through five games. They had 77. In the Mike Tomlin era, the highest number of points scored was 159 in 156 in 2020. And the average is 111. I know more useless facts. But yeah, so many of those are defensive. Yeah, a lot of that is we have two defensive right, touchdowns to, already this year. We I have didn't a, eliminate defensive points. Right, but even and even then, I mean, all these years are the same. How many of the touchdown drives came from like a turnover that got it near the 50-yard line, yada, yada, yada. But I do think we only had three or four three and outs this game. So that's that's better, although we did punt, 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 interception, punt, punt, punt. Yeah, so got to cut that out. Uh, we saw the schedule come out. And we saw the bye. It was week five or week six, right? Looked awful. Now, truly could not come at a better time, right? This is phenomenal. Like, oh, we actually kind of have something good to feel about, even though they shouldn't feel good about that game. I don't think they will. Loved hearing Kenny's press conference after basically saying like, yeah, we still suck, but we're very glad that we won. And that was big for us. And you saw the emotion from him. You saw the emotion from all the offensive players and the defensive players when they scored that pick, uh, that George Pickens touchdown. You saw TJ Watt get the final sack, rip his helmet off of his face, and somehow like flexed and yelled to the point where you could see his larynx muscles are larger than my thigh muscles. I mean, he is a man among boys, and that's great. So you saw, hey, we got something positive to go into the bye week with. We got some guys that can get healthy. We have two Pro Bowl players coming back. I don't know, right after the buy for Cam might be a little bit longer, but you need, uh, yeah, help is on the way. Who do the Steelers play next, Dad? Let's see, Steelers. The Rams. Schedule the late third. afternoon game on the 22nd, the two uh, and three Rams. This is a great test because I hate to tell you, I think there's a chance the Steelers lose this game by 10, 13, 14 points. Because why? The Kyle Shanahan teams, which is Sean McVay, have annihilated the Steelers. The Steelers haven't scored a touchdown against a Kyle Shanahan tree team this year. So that's going to be a huge challenge, much bigger challenge than it looked before the season. But Yeah, away game too, no less. Oh, West Coast. All right. Hate, hate to give you guys my prediction, but we'll see if the, the Rams stay healthy over the next week or so because it's – it's yeah, Steelers aren't winning that game. I hate <laughs> Puka Nakua. Pukunakua, I mean, the most likable guy in the NFL. Their new rookie receiver is killing it. They just got Cooper Cup back. So they have Sean McVay, 
two really good receivers and a really good quarterback calling plays against Mike Tomlin, who has truly never succeeded a single time against these things. I know that we're, oh, they beat, they beat Jared Goff one time with Mason Rudolph, Duck Hodges. Like, yeah, this is not Jared Goff. Well, Rams Jared Goff. Lions Jared Goff's better. But, uh, yeah, it looks bad. But you know what? We just want to see progress. So if the Steelers can score two touchdowns on offense, maybe even a touchdown on a couple of field goals before the fourth quarter starts, we can be happy in building for the future because there's a 0% chance of this team winning the Super Bowl this year. I would definitely not put the odds at zero for this team winning a Super Bowl over the next few years if they make some bold moves. But we just got to see them improve. Steelers 17, Ravens 10, we'll take it. If you have anything to tell us, Hit us up on X at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye.